It's time for episode 68 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. On this edition of the local Sunday Sports Podcast, get your playoff helmets ready as we're constructing your teams and where they are. And we're also talking about possible building projects in West Carrollton and what it could mean for the local sporting scene. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, Breaker, Radio Public, PlayaPod, Anchor, Pocket Casts, and so many more. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and the host at The Lee W. Mowen. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Music is provided by freestockmusic.com. Now, it's time for our host, Lee. W. Mowen. Before we begin the 68th edition of this podcast, just want to mention how excited I am talking about this because it's an opportunity to build something great in West Carrollton, another city that's part of my childhood. And it's also using abandoned properties, so it has potential to be very good for not only WC, but the surrounding Dayton area, so I'm quite pumped. But before we talk about construction, there's Week 10 High School Football Scores. That means that most of the squads around here, your regular season, and your 2018 campaign is finished. And you prepare for winter sports. For some, it means playoffs start this week. We're going to go through Week 10 scores, and then we'll tell you who made the playoffs, and then we'll get to our main attraction for Episode 68. The Thursday scores look like this. The last TV game on Fox 45 and on their Facebook live stream. Xenia 50, Fairborn 8, and with Xenia's win, the Buccaneers are the G-Walk South champions. Congrats go out to the Xenia Buccaneers. The Battle of Green County, and the Bucks defend their home turf. Layman Catholic 21, Riverside 7, with the Cavaliers win. Layman Catholic is the NWCC champions. Congrats go out to Layman Catholic. Belmont 50, Meadowdale 12, and Riverview East 40, Doan Community 38. And one last Thursday score, Jefferson Township, their first one of 2018, a 20-16 edging over Hillcrest. Now we jump in the cross-county conference as Miami East shuts out Twin Valley South 35-0. That punches in a playoff ticket for Miami East, their seventh straight playoff trip for the Vikings. Fort Loramie 42, Tri-County North 0, making the Redskins the cross-county conference champions. Again, Fort Loramie, football only in the CCC. And Sonia 41, Bradford 6, Covington 40, National Trail 0, and Arcanum edges out Tri-Village 16-14, and Bethel stings Mississinawa Valley 30 to nothing. The Southwestern Buckeye League, two squads looking to complete 10-0 seasons, and they're successful as Brelbrook takes down Monroe 41-10 and Middletown Madison 64, Waynesville 0. The halftime score was pretty large. I think it was like 50-something for the Mohawks. That means Bellbrook and Middletown Madison are 10-0 squads in the Southwestern Buckeye League. Congrats for both those schools. 
As we'll continue on with SWBL scores, Valley View shuts out Brookville 24-0. Northridge defeats Preble Shawnee 22-7. Milton Union shout out winners over the Carlisle Indians 40-0. Franklin 31, Oakwood 7. And the Eaton Eagles pick up their first win of the year. They take down Dixie 46-6. Now we jump into the Greater Western Ohio Conference, their last year as a 20-school conference. Can't believe 20. That's amazing. They'll stick around, but it will be 9 or 10 schools next year as most of the schools are leaving to form the Miami Valley League. You got the G-Walk North champions crowned as Troy edges out Piqua, the battle of the oldest state rivalry. Troy 7, Piqua 6. That's a great rivalry up there, by the way. Trojans are your G-Walk North champs. Northmont 21, Miamisburg 6. The Vikings got on the board first in the second half, but Northmont scores 21 unanswered for the G-Walk West crown. And also, that Miamisburg loss pushes the Vikings out of the playoff chase. One spot away from a playoff spot. Tough. Wayne 41, Trotwood Masson 35, and overtime, that will split the G-Walk East crown with the Springfield Wildcats as they fall to Kettering Fairmont 14-7 at home. Wildcats and the Warriors are your G-Walk East co-champs, and that will be a theme throughout the scores. Centerville picks up their second win of the year, 52-7 over the Beaver Creek Beavers. Tipica New edges out Vandalia Butler 20-14. Springboro takes down Lebanon 45-6. Sydney 56, Greenville 21. And West Carrollton edges out Stebbins 21-20. As we go to the Ohio Heritage Conference, there are three champs of the OHC North. And that will be thanks to a Fairbanks 21-14 win over Mechanicsburg. Those two squads, Fairbanks and Mechanicsburg, are two of the three champs of the OHC North. The other one, West Jefferson 34, Triad 13. I believe both those squads were 4-1 and one in OHC North. West Jefferson 34, Triad 13. One champ in the OHC South, that's Greenview, and the Rams defeat Mass and Plains 44-16. Greenan takes down Southeastern 28-7, and West Liberty Salem 32, Northeastern 0. To close out the Ohio Heritage Conference, Cedarville 44, Springfield Catholic Central 16. Now we move to the Central Buckeye Conference as Springfield Shawnee edges out Jonathan Alder 17-14. The coach's daughter... Kicks the game-winning field goal late in the fourth quarter for the Braves of Springfield Shawnee. Urbana 50, Benjamin Logan 7. Hey, do you like Tri-Champs? I heard you like Tri-Champs. Urbana is one of the three champs of the Mad River Division of the CBC. Like I mentioned, the Hill Climbers defeated Benjamin Logan 50-7. to Tecumseh 22, Kenton Ridge 15. Northwestern, also a Mad River Division champ. They defeat Graham 37-13. Bell Fountain 20, Indian Lake 0. The Lakers are the last champ of the Mad River Division. The Chieftains are the lone Kenton Trail Division champs. Like I said, that's going to be a theme as we go through these scores. Midwest Athletic Conference, Coldwater 26, Marion Local 20 in two overtimes. That Marion Local loss splits the Mac crown with the Anna Rockets. They defeat Delphos St. John's, the Anna Rockets do, 39-14 to split the MAC crown. Minster 25, New Bremen 15, Fort Recovery 33, Versailles 14, and St. Henry 43, Parkway 8. To the Western Buckeye League, we have an upset, and that will result in splitting the crown of the Western Buckeye League. Wapakoneta 26, St. Mary's 24. That is the Rough Riders' first loss on the year as well. Great win by Wapakoneta as Ottawa Glandorf defeats Elida 44-18, Kenton 41, Lima Bath 13, Salina 38, Lima Shawnee 21, and Van Wart 37, Defiance 0. As we go... To the Northwest Central Conference we go. We already mentioned Layman Catholic, the NWCC champs. Marion Elgin, 48. Lima Perry, 25. Upper Scioto Valley, 22. Harden Northern, 13. And Waynesville Goshen, 34. Ridgemont, 0. We head back to Dayton in the Greater Catholic League. The GCL North co-ed champs are the Alternites. 
They start off trailing Shamnau Julian 3-0, but the Knights row on 35 unanswered to win it 35-3. Knights are the GCL North champs, also had the day off of school that Friday, and I made the joke that, hey, when you play CJ, that's your biggest rivalry, you take the day off and you prepare for that. I don't know if that's true or not, but there you go. Hamilton Baden, 48, McNicholas, 6, and that gives the Rams the GCL co-ed central crown. Good win for the Rams. Fenwick, 42, Carroll, 41. That was a gun show to see. Roger Bacon defeats Purcell Marion, 41 to 9. Elder edges out LaSalle, 13 to 10. Remember, Crusaders have been GCL South champs for quite a while. I think week six. If I'm not mistaken. Non-conference tilt is Winton Woods. They continue to flex their muscles. and They defeat Moeller 21-17. And the Battle of St. X's. Cincinnati takes down Louisville's squad. St. Xavier Bombers 34. St. Xavier Tigers 7. Saw the St. Xavier Tigers play hockey last year in Lexington. Tigers had green and gold. And St. X has blue and white. The more you know. Greater Miami Conference. Colerain won the GMC crown last week with a win over Fairfield. But the Cardinals keep on flying by. And Colerain defeats Lakota West 49-0. to Just, you look at Colerain's strength. They're number 20, not in Ohio, but in the entire United States of America. Colerain is ridiculously good. Again, 49-0 Colerain over Lakota West. Lakota East takes down Sycamore 42-21. An overtime win for the Comets of Mason. They take down Fairfield and the Indians 24-21. Princeton edges out Hamilton, a 21-20 Vikings win. And Middletown wins their last game of the season 24-6 over Oak Hills and the Highlanders. Eastern Cincinnati Conference, the ECC crown lands on the head of the Knights of Kings as they take down the Wolves of West Claremont 41-19, Milford 33, Turpin 7, Walnut Hill 62, Withrow 14, and Anderson 36, Loveland 13. We go to the Hills. The Hills are alive in Cincinnati. The CHL crown goes to the Wyoming Cowboys. They defeat Indian Hills 37-7. Actually, I believe that's Indian Hill. I beg your pardon. But Indian Hill also had a shot at the CHL crown coming in that game. Both teams were undefeated in CHL play. But Wyoming, they will take the crown away. Cowboys win it 37-7. to Redding 30, Finneytown 0, Deer Park 14, Marymont 7, and Madeira 42, Taylor 14. And... While we're on the subject of Madeira, Andrew Benatendi won his first World Series ring with the Boston Red Sox last night. Former Mustang with Madeira, former Razorback with Arkansas, and current Boston Red Sox. The Cincinnati kid doing it all. I shared it on Twitter, too, his amazing defensive play. Was that Game 1 or Game 2, the World Series? But, Red Sox win it. Miami Valley Conference time! New Miami 13, Dayton Christian 6. That's the first conference loss for D.C. on the year. And that gives New Miami the NBC Gray crown. Perfect 5-0 and conference record for the Vikings. As New Miami wins it 13-6. You have the Scarlet crown going to Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. With a 43-29 win over Miami Valley Christian. Summit Country Day 21, North College Hill 0. Couple of Saturday games for you. St. Bernard 20, Lachlan 12, and Clark Montessori 32, Cincinnati College Prep 0. And one more score in the MVC. Norwood 41, Kip Columbus 6. Kip is short for Knowledge is Power program. And every time I think Knowledge is Power, I think of Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know about you. That's how my brain works. Because Knowledge is Power. To the Cincinnati Metro Athletic League. Taft 28, Aiken 8. That Senators win gives Taft the CMAC crown in the last regular season game ever at Stargell Stadium. I retweeted that on my Twitter account, I think Friday. Stargell 2.0 should open by regular season start next year. But it's not the same, you know? You can build it exactly as Stargell 1.0, but the history, it doesn't go with it. You remember... 
I'm talking like I've actually played sports, but you remember everything that's happened on a field. You move it, that's... It's not the same. I mean, it'll be neat to see Stargell 2.0 get built, and Cincinnati gets that field there, and then FC Cincinnati gets the land that Stargell 1.0 is on. I'm kind of rambling, I'm sorry. But Taft wins the last regular season game for the Senators at Stargell Stadium, 28-8 over Aiken, and that also gives them the CMAC crown, the Cincinnati Metro Athletic League crown. A non-conference tilt as Little Miami defeats Western Hills 45-12. Back to conference play, Hughes 36, Gamble Monteseri 0, and Woodward 40, Schroeder 0. To the Dayton City League, Ponix Tech 48, Thurgood Marshall 20. A forfeit turned in by West Toronto Prep out of Canada. Dunbar wins it 1-0. As we now jump along to the Southern Buckeye Athletic Conference, Clinton Massey 49, Wilmington 0. Blanchester 53, East Clinton 6, Claremont Northeastern, big winners over Williamsburg 43-0, Western Brown takes care of Bactavia 29-14, New Richmond 27-0 winners over Goshen, and Bethel Tate scratches out Fayetteville 44-14. To the Southwest Ohio Conference, already give the Little Miami score 45-12 over Western Hills, Harrison edges out Northwest 19-14, Edgewood 33, Mount Healthy 7, and Ross 18, Oxford Talawanda 7. And Troy Christian, the independent score, defeats Crestline 28-7. Before we tell you what's happening in the state of Ohio playoffs for high school football, let's head back to Indiana. Class 4A sectional 22, it's Mooresville 48, Richmond 21, ending the Red Devils season. There is much hope and much positive moment going into 2019 for the Red Devils. Should be an exciting year for the big city of Wayne County, Indiana. Mooresville will take on Greenwood for the sectional title, by the way. Triton Central 20, Knightstown 0 in Class 2A sectional 37 play. That sets up Triton Central against Indianapolis Cecina. Hagerstown, big winners in Class 1A sectional 46. Tigers 40, Edinburgh 12. And that will put the Tigers in the third straight sectional game, sectional title game. They'll take on Indianapolis Lutheran. Here's another win for you. Union City 32, Clinton Prairie 12 in Class 1A sectional 44. And that will set up Union City against Monroe Central. The first time since 1998 that U-City has been in a sectional championship game. And this will be the second time that Monroe Central and Union City will play. Monroe Central won 21-0 in the second week of the season. And last local Indiana school for you, LaPel 11, Northeastern 8 in Class 2A, Sectional 36 play. LaPel will now have Shenandoah to battle for that title. And if you remember a couple episodes ago, Shenandoah kind of ripped through, was it Hagerstown Northeastern? Who was it? Shenandoah put up a lot of points those two weeks. I remember that much. And now, the playoff moment for Ohio high school football. Now, I really did my homework on this section. I hope it's quite enjoyable and quite informative as well. There are a couple sources I'm taking this from, and that is Mike Dyer of WCPO Channel 9, the ABC affiliate in Cincinnati, and also Dayton Daily News by Mark Pendleton, staff writer at the DDN. I had to do a lot of homework because of the fact that both those sources did not cover all the ground that I do. I actually had to go on, what was it, limanews.com? Limaohio.com, I beg your pardon, that's Lima News. I looked up a couple things, also used Joe Idol's massive Week 11 schedule, make sure I'm not missing any schools. There's a lot of words and a lot of schools on there still. Uh, I I done my homework, so I want you to know that there's a lot to talk about. We're going to go ahead and start off with the Division One Region Three playoff participants. They'll be number two Northmont, number four Springfield, number five Kettering Fairmont, and number eight Wayne. And we would talk local Sunday sports. It's Cincinnati, Dayton, a little bit north towards Lima. I think the farthest east I go is Clark County. 
So, yeah, there's going to be a lot, and I'll go back through the sources. Again, Division 1, Region 3, and Ohio. Division 1's your big schools. Region 3 is Dayton-Columbus. Region 4 is Cincinnati. Top 8 make it. Everyone else doesn't. And like I mentioned, Miamisburg's number 9 in D1 Region 3. That Lebanon loss probably didn't help, but, well, any loss doesn't help. Let's let's be honest. But the Lebanon loss was probably the probably the push to keep Miamisburg out of the top eight. Wayne's OT went over Trotwood Mass and didn't help the Vikings. Northmont was already in the playoffs. Miamisburg was fighting for it. Like I mentioned, Northmont, Springfield, Fairmont, Wayne, congrats to those four Dayton teams battling in the playoffs. You'll have number 8 Wayne at number 1 Hilliard Davidson. Number 7 Hilliard Darby makes a run at number 2 Northmont. Number 3 Hilliard Bradley will take on number 6 Pickerington Central. And for the second week in a row, it's Fairmont at Springfield. The Firebirds won 14-7 at Springfield, but this is for the playoffs. Division 1 Region 4, like I mentioned, Cincinnati. If you're a big school in Cincinnati, you are most likely in Division 1 Region 4. Colerain, like I mentioned, ranked number 20 in the United States of America. They're 19-0, the Cardinals are, in the first round, although 1995's first round game was forfeited. Mason will make their fourth consecutive home playoff appearance. Elder, Milford, Fairfield, Muller, and with the Crusaders' appearance, that ties the state record for 35 all-time appearances in the playoffs with Newark Catholic. And I checked, Newark Catholic is not in the playoffs. So, if you think next year, if Muller makes it again, Newark Catholic doesn't, that state title belongs to the Crusaders. That's quite a nice record to have. You also have Lakota East and St. X rounding up the top eight in Region 4 Division 1. For the Bombers, it's their 10th straight, and according to WCPO, it's the greatest number actively of any large school programs in Cincinnati. Your battles look like this. St. X will take on Coleraine for the second time this season. Lakota East is at Mason. Muller is at Elder for the second time. And Fairfield is at Milford. Sorry, I went through all... 10 weeks without saying Milford like the car dealership guy. If you don't listen to radio in Cincinnati, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Even if you do, you still might not have any idea what I'm talking about, but there you go. Division 2, Region 8. A little bit smaller schools now. Division 2 is still good-sized schools. We're not talking like school population of a hundred. We're still talking fairly good sized squads. Winton Woods is the number one seed in Region 8, Division 2, followed by Kings, Troy, Edgewood, Little Miami. For the Panthers, this is their first appearance since 1992 and just the second trip to playoffs in school history. Well done, Little Miami. You also have Harrison and Anderson rounding up the top eight of Two and eight. Winton Woods will host Olentangy. Kings will have Anderson. Troy versus Harrison. And Little Miami will be back at Edgewood for the second time in three weeks. Vision 3, Region 11. 10 0, Bellbrook. They have the number three seed. And they will host number six, Thornville Sheridan. Thornville, that's a great city name. That's a great town name. And Hillsboro is your number 5 seed in Division 3, Region 11. They will be at number 4, Eastmore Academy in Columbus. We move to Region 12 of Division 3. Alter, Wapakoneta, Bishop Fenwick in their first playoff trip since 2015. 17 appearances overall for the Falcons and one of three Cincinnati schools with the feat of making the very first playoffs back in 1972. Along with the Princeton Vikings and the Reading Blue Devils. Vandalia Butler, Hamilton Baden, Chaminade Julian, Trotwood Madison, and Mount Healthy are Division 3 Region 12 playoff reps. Mount Healthy will be at Alter, Trotwood's at Wapakoneta up north, CJ's at Fenwick, another GCL battle there, and Hamilton Baden visits Vandalia Butler in the Battle of the Bees. 
Division 4, Region 14, as St. Mary's Memorial 9-1, a very impressive season, will represent the Sinday area, and number 3, Van Wart as well. St. Mary's will host number 7, Pepper Pike Orange. Funny story, I always thought Pepper Pike was a little school off of Tylersville Road, because there's a little road called Pepper Pike. I didn't know it was an actual place around Cleveland. There you go. Pepper Pike Orange at St. Mary's. It'll be the last few games ever for St. Mary's Memorial Football at Skip Ballman Stadium. This might have been the Lima, Ohio article, possibly the Daily Standard out of Salina, talking about how Skip Ballman, built in 1937 as part of the Works Progress Administration, the same act that also brought the Clinton Lumber Kings their stadium and still standing in eastern Iowa. Lots of things built in the WPA back in the late 30s. But the one of the end zones was a couple yards short. It's like seven to nine yards, and then you run into the building. St. Mary's will move to Alumni Stadium. As I'm reading it, it's closer to school than... Skip Ballman is. Skip Ballman, legendary coach at St. Mary's. So, yeah, catch some football at St. Mary's at Skip Ballman Stadium while you can. The stadium will still be used. It'll be for youth football, but it's kind of like how Miamisburg uses Old Harmon. Old Harmon's for the Wee Vikes and your high school Vikings are at the the uh, new Harmon. Actually, I don't know if it's still called Harmon Field. I probably should look that up, but there you go. Again, Pepper Pike Orange at St. Mary's, or if you can't make it, you can listen to my friend Michael Hearn. Also, number six, Huron, is at Van Wert as well. Battle of three and six. Division four, region 16, 24th appearance for the Wyoming Cowboys. They're the number one seed of division four, region 16. Clinton Massey, 17th consecutive trip to the playoffs. That's the best in the Cincinnati area. Along with Taft, Indian Hill, number seven, Springfield Shawnee, and number eight, Northwestern. And the Warriors are making their first ever trip to the playoffs. And for their reward, their first trip to the playoffs, they get the machine known as the Wyoming Cowboys. And this is not Wyoming. Is it Wyoming U or U of Wyoming? It's not that. There's a high school in Cincinnati called Wyoming. I figure you know that because, yeah. Northwestern will be at Wyoming, like I mentioned. The Cowboys are quite the football machine. Springfield Shawnee gets Clinton Massey on the road in western Clinton County. Number six, London, is at Taft. That'll be at Stargell Stadium. And number five, Waverly, is at Indian Hill. Battle of four and five. Division five, Region 18, will have number five, Anna, and number seven, Miami East. Like I mentioned, for the Vikings of ME. Seventh straight trip to the playoffs for the school from Castown, Ohio. They'll be at number two, Liberty Center. And number five, Anna, will be at number four, Illyria Catholic. I always thought it was Elyra, but I guess I'm wrong. But that's a big trip for the Rockets. That's Cleveland area. But, hey, it's playoffs. Division five, region 20. Another 10-0 team in number two, Middletown Masson. Their first 10-0 record in school history. Last year, state semifinalist. This Mohawk program is really flexing the muscles. I like to see that. Also, remember, what was it, week two, week three, their first win over Valley View since 1990? So, yeah, Mohawks are doing some work in football. They're the number two seed of Division Five, Region 20, along with number three, West Jefferson, number four, Madeira, number five, Greenview, and number six, Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. That will set up battles like this as number eight, Portsmouth West has number one, Wheelersburg. Wow, I did that on the first take. Hooray me. Number seven, Portsmouth will be at Middletown Masson. You have CHCA, West Jefferson, and Greenview at Madeira. Division six, region 24. Coldwater just tied the state record with most consecutive postseason appearances at 22. That's pretty ace for the Cavaliers. 22 consecutive trips in a row for the Cavs in the playoffs. They're the number one seed of 624. Number two, Lima Central Catholic. Number three, Marion Local. 
Along with Mechanicsburg, St. Henry, Spencerville, Covington, and Deer Park, the Wildcats' first appearance in the playoffs since 2007. Your reward? You're at Coldwater. That's quite the hike from Cincinnati to Mercer County. But still, anything can happen. It's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Uh, trademark, I guess. I don't know. Deer Park's at Coldwater. Covington is at Lima Central Catholic. Spencerville is at Marion Local. And St. Henry will be at Mechanicsburg. As we round down to Division 7, Region 28. This is the smallest division possible. And it's been like this, a seven-division football playoff system since 2013. You got Fort Loramie, Crestview, Minster, and Sonia, Lehman Catholic, Riverside, Miami Valley Christian, and New Miami. For New Miami, they have not been in the playoffs in 10 seasons. I forget if it was WCPO or Dayton Daily News that said that's the longest. No, it's Little Miami. They haven't been in since 1992. There's a lot of things that have changed in the world since 1992. Elder Bierman was a thing. They had their store where Target is now by Dayton Mall. They were existing and not just empty stores. There's a lot of things that are different. I'm older now, so there you go. I was four last time the Panthers made it. Anyway, New Miami's at Fort Loramie. Miami Valley Christian travels to Crestview. Riverside's at Minster. Lehman Catholic is at Ansonia in Northern Dark County. Of all this, you have three defending state champs in the Dayton area with Trotwood's Division Three title, Marion Local's Division Six title, and Minster's Division Seven title. That's a lot of playoffs, and that's a lot of coverage, but what do you expect? It's the local Sunday Sports Podcast. And like I said, couldn't find one source with both Cincinnati and Dayton. It's always just Cincinnati or Dayton. This podcast combines them. What a concept. So from the Dayton Daily News, there's 29 area teams. This is mostly Dayton area. And I think WCPO says that there are 27 squads from the Cincinnati area. A little bit of a cross-reference, I guess couple schools represent both Cincinnati and Dayton. Just depends, you know, where they are at, I guess. Hard to believe high school football is now in the playoffs. All your games will be at 7. If you're in Divisions 1, 2, 3, or 6, you'll play on Fridays. Divisions 4, 5, and 7 will be on Saturdays to the state semifinals. I'm still just, like I said, these 10 weeks have flown by, and hopefully the high school football scores have been a nice touch. Again, from DDN, most appearances, including this year, 24 by the Alternites and the Cavaliers of Coldwater. Hamilton Baden, not that far behind, but 23. Marion Local, 21. Clinton Massey, 18. Minster, 17. Your most consecutive appearances belong to the Cavaliers of Coldwater with 22. Alters got 18. Clinton Massey, 17. Marion Local, 14. Like I mentioned, New Miami, their last trip to the playoffs was 2008. It's not the longest drought that's been extinguished. That'd be Little Miami since 1992. I was looking through Joe Idol, just looking through all the districts and Divisions and regions, excuse me. I don't know why why I keep saying districts. Keep looking through all those, and there was a school that... There's been a couple of schools that haven't made it at all. But then again, I I wonder how old are those schools type of thing. There was one that was 1990. I forget which school it was. And on my Twin Valley South Panthers, they haven't made it since 1999. That was a good run for TVS. They fell by a touchdown to St. Henry back in the day. That's why I was still going to TVS as a we taught. And podcasting wasn't really a thing back in 1999. At least I don't think it was. You have seven teams for the G-Walk representing the playoffs. Fairmont, Northmont, Springfield, Wayne, Troy, Vandalia, Butler, Trotwood, Madison. You have five from the MAC. Anna, Coldwater, Marion Local, St. Henry, and Minster. Four from the Cross County Conference in Miami East, Covington, Fort Loramie, and Ansonia. Three from the co-ed North. The only one not making is Carroll. Although the Patriots did have a good season this year. Alter, CJ, and Fenwick 
representing the co-ed North out of those four squads. I mentioned three defending state champs, Trotwood, Marion, local Minster. Two teams that are undefeated, Bellbrook and Madison at 10-0, both from the SWBL and different divisions. It'd be neat if Bellbrook and Madison could play for like a title game, like game 11 before the playoffs type of thing, just see whose 10-0 record holds up. And then it ends in a tie. It's like, okay. You got two teams from the Central Buckeye Conference in one division, Northwestern and Springfield Shawnee, two Ohio Heritage Conference teams in Greenview and Mechanicsburg, and one first-time qualifier. That'd be the Northwestern Warriors off of 41 by the Upper Valley Mall. That's all from the DDN. You can find it at DaytonDailyNews.com. Again, the article written by Mark Pendleton. This recording, 19 hours ago. I also found something very interesting as well. The most used playoff host sites in Ohio entering this year's playoffs. Before I mention it, take a guess. It's got to be something local if you're bringing it up, Lee. Well, yeah. Okay, did you guess yet? Okay, good. Welcome Stadium in Dayton. 163 playoff games in the old stadium on Edward C. Moses. Second place, Paul Brown Tiger Stadium in Massillon with 146. Third place will be the Canton Fawcett Stadium slash Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium with 141. Lima Spartan Stadium with 94. Akron's Rubber Bowl at 86. Parma's Byers Field at 81. Berea Baldwin Wallace George Finney Stadium at 80. There's a lot of words on some of these. Finley's Donald Stadium with 78. Mansfield Seniors Arlen Field, 69. Ohio State's Ohio Stadium with 68. Zanesville Soulsberger Memorial Stadium, 67. Troy Memorial Stadium, 59. Tiffin Columbia National Field at Frost Kalnow Stadium, 52. Along with Harmon Field of Wapkaneta, 52. Dublin Kaufman Stadium, along with Warren G. Harding Bolenkoff Stadium, with 49, Nippert Stadium at UC, 46, along with Upper Arlington's Marv Moorhead Memorial Stadium, 46, Bedford Stewart Field at Bearcat Stadium, 45, Gehanna Lincoln Stadium, along with Piqua's Alexander Stadium, Solon Stewart Field, and Steubenville's Harding Stadium with 45, and the last two on the list, Harmon Field, Fremont Ross, Paul Stadium at Harmon Field, and Lakewood Stadium with 44. Largest high school stadium, well, that's Paul Brown Tiger Stadium with 16,884 seats. Welcome Stadium's in second place, 11,300. I just found that was a pretty neat point. And you think Welcome Stadium is Dayton City League games. Sure, you'd be right, but to have that many games... At Welcome Stadium, that's very impressive. Very, very impressive. So congrats go out to all those teams make the playoffs, preparing for Week 11. For all the schools that didn't make the playoffs, heads up. You complete another football season, prepare for winter, and keep up the good work. Now it's time for college football scores. You thought I was done, but oh no. Miami's club Red Hawks defeated Wright State and the Raiders in Oxford 51-3. That's the third straight loss in a row for the Raiders. The Dayton Flyers get back on the winning track in Indianapolis. They take down the Butler Bulldogs 38-28. Cincinnati wins on a pick six in OT at SMU. Bearcats 26, Southern Methodist University 20 in OT. Miami Redhawks varsity team will not play until the 30th. That would be tomorrow, according to this recording. But the Redhawks will be at Buffalo. Here's a big win for you as Central State takes down Tuskegee, 40-36. Marauders are one point down by 14. They come back and win their first game against the Golden Tigers since 1948. Also, the Marauders are undefeated at McPherson this year at 3-0 with one home game left next weekend. The Blue Knights fall to Glenville State College 28-21, 
And Urbana, after winning so many in a row, they have dropped four in a row. John Carroll puts a hammer down on Wilmington, 66-19 over the Fighting Quakers. And the Little Giants of Wabash take down a big giant in D3 football. They take down the Wittenberg Tigers, 28-21. Mount St. Joseph's takes down an undefeated Hanover Panthers squad in Heartland play, 19-15 over Hanover. Kentucky Christian defeats Cincinnati Christian 24-19, and Thomas Moore and Earlham were off. Thomas Moore has Lake Erie at home on the 3rd. Earlham's got Defiance at home on the 3rd. And we move on to NFL scores. Cincinnati Bengals 37, Tampa Bay 34. Once Ryan Fitzgerald came in, it was Fitzmagic. That large deficit that the Bengals spotted on famous Jameis. The defense was eating turnover after turnover after turnover. Should have saw if I could pick up the Bengals defense for that game. But I didn't in fantasy football. Bengals 37, Tampa Bay 34 off a last second field goal by Randy Bullock. Bengals are 5-3 and three, heading into the bye week. Could be better, could be 6-2, and two, could be 7-1, could be 8 no. But 5-3, and three, I like where this Bengals team's heading, although the injuries are starting to put a damper on things. Amy on the defense. Carl Lawson is out for the season with his injury in his knee. Pittsburgh, 33. Cleveland, 18. No OT needed that time. And the Steelers get revenge for the opening week draw with the Cleveland Browns. And also Indianapolis 42, Oakland 28, back-to-back wins for the Colts, and also back-to-back games where Colts running backs have 200-plus yards. It's the first time that's happened since 1985, you know, the second year the Colts were in central Indiana. Some of our scores for you, the Columbus crew are in, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with the 3-2 win against Minnesota United. Montreal lost, meaning the crew... That sixth spot for the playoffs in the MOS East, that's all for Central Ohio. Crew do win 3-2, to two, despite Minnesota United tying it up late in the game. Also, former Dayton Flyer Lalus Abubakar checked in for the crew around the 68th minute, something like that. Also, New York Red Bulls 2 squad won FC Cincinnati 0. And that's the last game in the USL for FC Cincinnati. As next year, to the MOS. With the number one overall seed, I was hoping FC Cincinnati would take care of the playoffs. You know, maybe win the whole kit and caboodle before saying goodbye. Three years, successful regular season. Quite a success at the box office with the tickets. But in the playoffs... FC Cincinnati is now 1-4-4 four, four in terms of playoff wins. Two first-round exits and a second-round exit. MOS, Columbus and Cincinnati, expected next year. And that's all the scores. In the upcoming weeks, we'll have the playoff scores of the local teams. There are, I think, one or two Indiana schools that are still playing. Union City and Hagerstown, we'll keep uh, track on those. But yeah, and that took nearly 43 minutes. Holy cow. Did not expect that. Before I forget, want to give a big thank you to Press Pros Magazine, Scoreboard, TristateFootball.com, Scoreboard, and ScoreStream. That's how I got the final scores. No, I didn't just run around and pick up scores. I had some help, as you probably already guessed. But, yeah, thanks to those sources, also Dayton Daily News and WCPO Channel 9 Cincinnati. 1992. That's impressive. As now we talk about the main attraction, the Miami Bend Project. Yes, West Carrollton's knocking down some abandoned buildings. And you might ask me, what's this got to do with sports? It doesn't sound like sports, it sounds like construction. And oh, well, first off, Nice grunt. Second off, one is for sports. The other one might be for sports. That hasn't been determined yet, but it's looking to be an entertainment district. So here we go. 
So Miami Bend's project is the intersection of, what is that, Dixie and 75. If you've been around West Carrollton for a while now, you know that once upon a time, you used to have to U-turn at 741 if you wanted to go 75 South, and you have to U-turn at what's now called Manchester by Roberts to get on 75 North. Needless to say, that on-ramp, off-ramp section sucked. Majorly. Lots of U-turns. Lots of suckage. They finally corrected that. They made Dixie a two-way road, and they made Interstate 75 access quite easy. They still have the Manchester Road. I don't know what's back there anymore. But something that stood there for a long, long time, not being used, Carrollton Plaza and the old Roberts Furniture Store. This one I was really, really looking forward to talking about. In fact, this was going to be the second episode last week, but things happened, so it didn't get made until now. So, Carrollton Plaza, in the last few years, you get your titles there, you get your license, blah, 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 stuff like that. But now everything's gone, and West Carrollton is looking to demolish it soon. The history of that plaza, it used to be the home of the very first Roberts store. And if you want to see what it looks like before the wrecking ball goes through it, like butter and a hot knife... It's from the Facebook page, South Ohio Urban Exploration. In fact, I probably should have had it opened before I started talking about this. If you don't know what Roberts is, it was a furniture store based in West Carrollton since 1971, with additional locations in Piqua, they opened in 1983, Vandalia, Springfield, Richmond, Indiana, around 88, 90 they opened, also, a lot of stores down south. By a lot of stores, I mean Atlanta, Georgia. They opened up a couple stores in 79, 82, 83, 87, 89. And also had a couple of stores in Tampa Bay, Florida. After Roberts acquired Alpert's Furniture from General Cinema Company. You heard me. That's not a miscue. Also, Beaver Creek and the Fairfield Commons had a store, which is now Value City Furniture. When that opened, I don't know, it had to be something after 93. And also, Roberts had a Roberts Grand Mega Store. Once the home of Kroger's Candy Factory. It was in Springdale by the Tri-County Mall. Opened 1995-1996. And, depending on who you ask, was kind of the downfall for Roberts back then. They were supposed to open a second Roberts Grand in Columbus. They opened a warehouse in Vandalia. That is now the home of the very first Scene 75. You pass it on I-75, it's off Poe Avenue, and yeah, that was Roberts. Well, Roberts Warehouse. So back then, your biggest rivals for Roberts were Rex Electronics. Yes, the same company that had the the igloo and the air conditioner, the Eskimo. Couldn't think of the word Eskimo. But why does an Eskimo need an air conditioner? Summer! Why'd you buy an air conditioner, Mr. Eskimo? Nah, I bought two. I bought one for the bedroom. Why in the world would an Eskimo need an air conditioner? Price? It's on YouTube somewhere. Go try to find it. Good luck. If you search Rex, Rex Electronics, it doesn't pop up. Have fun. I forget what it is. Some of the biggest rivals, Rex Electronics. Now they're an energy company. They're still in Dayton, I think. Circuit City, Best Buy, Ashley slash Morris Furniture. Lazarus had furniture galleries, although they only had one outside their stores in Cincinnati and Columbus. And the Dayton Mall had furniture gallery. It's still up there at Macy's. Value City Furniture, they had their corner store. It's still there. And Elder Beerman's Furniture Superstore in Tropwood in Miamisburg, which are now sitting empty. And also, I think J.C. Penney had furniture. You get what I'm saying. That's your biggest rivals back then for Roberts. I personally know Roberts more for their ending credits. They it was always two news tonight is brought to you by Roberts. And that's how we always know. Went there a couple times. I don't remember what I bought. Probably the couch that everyone had with all those wildflowers and everything. You you know what I'm talking about. Seventies colors. Yeah, that probably came from Roberts, let's be honest. 
I think there was 25 Robert's stores overall when it was at its peak. And I mentioned Robert's Grand didn't do too hot. There's an article from 1996 saying, you know, they're kind of struggling. And their answer was, throw more money into the fire. That will fix it. And by May 2000, Robert's was gone. Closed up. Goodbye. All the Florida stores closed early 2000. West Carrollton's, I believe, was the last one to go by early May of that same year. Eventually, it became a flea market, the West Carrollton Roberts store did, and also Morningstar Arena for wrestling for a few years. And then it all kind of fell apart with a leaky roof and absolutely zero fixes done by the owners. Yeah. So again, if you want to see the pictures... They're on the Facebook page, South Ohio Urban Exploration. Once I found these, I was like, ooh, I remember Roberts. Uh, I'm sure you, the podcast listener, like, I don't care about furniture stores and blah, 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 and stuff like that. It's really neat to see because they still have some of the old Roberts logos on there. Probably the best picture is the first one because it's not covered in black mold. And in fact, there is a comment uh, the album saying, needs more black mold. Yeah, that leaky roof decimated the Roberts building. I mean, decimated. You look, there's even moss growing on the carpet. How do you get moss growing on car? I, I don't want to know. But yeah, there's a lot of mold. There's a lot of interesting pictures, though. The guy that helped Roberts take off in the 70s, he had his own business. Uh, he had his own business. Yeah, it's called Roberts. Actually, he was a native Texan. I believe it was Robert Fleming. He was a native Texan, worked there, and then a couple jobs sent him to Dayton, Ohio. And there he helped take off Roberts. And he was very old by the time Roberts was really starting to hit the toilet. A couple bad things happened to Roberts, including a wrongful termination suit against someone claiming sexual harassment. It wasn't a pretty time for the Roberts back in the late 90s. They were doing okay early 90s when they stopped expanding and, you know, actually focused on profits. But I think Roberts Grand, which was supposed to be the future of Roberts. Screw the small stores. Have them big. Have them 20 acres wide and sell everything. By the way, the Sharonville Roberts Grand, now an indoor go-kart track. Go down there, have fun, then hit up Dave and Buster's. Tell them Lee said you, and then they're like, who's that? It's like, never mind. Going back to the, the the photo gallery, like I mentioned, hope you like black mold and rot and rot, but he had his own sauna, his own office. It was all kept away. You also see, like, the Muzak, uh, the Muzak dials as well. It's really neat. I... It breaks my heart to see Roberts in that bad a shape, but then again, if Wes Carrollton's just going to knock it down, then good riddance. You see a couple flyers for pro wrestling at Morningstar Arena, which is the old Roberts Emporium. You see a couple of the old Roberts signs as well. Flea Market did okay. I remember years back, there was an article from Dayton Daily News talking about how there was this one booth selling like hot sauces. I was like, I need to go to that, but I never did. So there you go. Also, you want to know how bad the old Roberts got? Well, when you're using kiddie pools to collect the dripping water from the roof, and it's kind of brownish tint, you know it's not a good sign. Like I said, South Ohio Urban Exploration, I'm not saying that, ooh, it's cool to take pictures of abandoned property, because it's not. It's called trespassing people to do it and there you go you can see it like I mentioned the first one has the entrance to Roberts it still says Roberts committed to saving you money it still has the old logo the welcome to Roberts sign still there though I'm not seeing it on here that's what I get for having Facebook on one side and audacity on the other side so I can look at it it's all really sad but then again businesses die that's what happens you thrive or you die or you tread water. So I guess there's three options. But Roberts failed. Roberts was a childhood store. We visited a couple times for furniture. You know, because it's a furniture store. And also had electronics and everything. 
So, yeah, that's your history on Roberts, which has everything to do with sports. Let's tell you about that second project. This is away from Miami Bend, and this is off of West Central Avenue, which, if you know West Carrollton, that's the other side, heading towards Miamisburg or Farmersville. Spike It, LLC. They want to build an 82,000 square feet property at the old Fraser paper plant. As a kid, there was a big, big plant. I didn't know if it was... I think it was parchment on the water tower, which is paper. I know that. But big, big paper plant, which stretched from the corner of Elm and Center to about Miami Avenue, which turns into Farmersville, West Carrollton. That's now empty. You can see the other side. You can see trains and everything. Back then, you couldn't. You just saw big, big building, big factory. I don't really know the history on that like I do Robert's. Trying to find Robert's history. Ugh. <laughs> Good luck with that. But, yeah, pretty much West Carrollton with these two projects are looking to make the city more beautiful. Make people come to West Carrollton. Not just as drive through to get to Kettering or Moraine or somewhere else. Back to Spike It's LLC's plan. It's a Cincinnati business. They have a couple properties down in the Queen City. They want to build 17 indoor and outdoor sand volleyball courts. Nine for indoors, eight outdoors, with 350 parking spaces. Sounds nice. They want to hire 50 people and attract hopefully about 300 to 500 people a night. I believe they want to have a bar there. And they're going for approval November 13th. And if everything checks out A-OK, Wes Carrollton says, Yeah, that's a great plan. They'll look to open by October 1st of next year, 2019. $4.5 million for the project. Like I said, if you like volleyball, this place will be right up your alley. Except I don't think alley's a volleyball term. It'll be right up your ace. Which is a place for hardware. Building. Get it? Anyway. That spot is empty. It's currently grass at the moment, but... I like to see Spike It succeed. I like to see both these things succeed. I'll go back to the old Roberts Plaza in a second, but volleyball courts for outdoors, that'd be for the summer. And the indoor season lasts from October to, I think, about April. I think it'd be a nice thing for us, Carrollton. But there's one underlining fear that I have, and we'll get back to that. That'll probably be the way to close out episode 68 of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. Anyway, I told you how bad Roberts was looking inside. Historical, yeah, but there's a point where if you have moss on your carpet, if it's nothing but black mold, you might want to tear it down. And West Carrollton does have someone to tear it down. My source of the information is from DaytonDailyNews.com, both of these articles by Nick Blizzard. The project is expected to start this Thursday and last five months, and it'll probably be the most significant, maybe top five moves that West Carrollton has done. They're looking to reinvigorate the Dixie Drive Central Avenue corridor, especially around the Great Miami River. There's also that administration building across Manchester that's empty. I, I'm I'm assuming they're going to knock that down. They they have to. The city projected the cost of demolition to be eh, upwards of eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. There's three bids that were going towards a million, as West Carrollton records show to the article, again by Nick Blizzard. City to save two hundred k on Carrollton Plaza demolition. Work to begin soon, like I said, Thursday. Green City Demolition won the bid with $662,450. It's the lowest of the six proposals. They're going to need some help. If Roberts has that much black mold, then that's a contamination issue. And I don't really want to breathe that through my air. It's 13 and 3 quarters acres, just west of Interstate 75. Tearing down about five months and expect to start November 1st. Yeah. 
It's part of a $3 million deal that included the city buying the largely vacant plaza last season. It's a property that's prominent at the gateway of the community. So they want to think of a better situation. They're looking for something like the rose or the phrase where you have entertainment outside and there you go. I'm still hoping... Of course, this is hoping, and this isn't happening yet. This is outside the news. I'm still hoping for a nice hockey arena where you can put a minor league team right at exit 47 and 75. You're stone throw away from 725 and 675, just down south. You're stone throw away from downtown Dayton. That'd be perfect for minor league hockey. Put in, I don't know, 4,500 seats, somewhere around there. I mean, try to... Now, the problem is, I don't think that matches ECHL's terms of what you need in a new arena. Would I love to see minor league hockey back? Yeah, if I'm the broadcaster and B-Man's the PA announcer. Of course, that's what I want to see. Will West Carrollton go for that? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So... That's what's going on in West Carrollton. Looking to tear down now the completely vacant Carrollton Plaza and tear down Roberts, who had a prominent part of West Carrollton's history. And now it's going to be gone. And hopefully something good will happen to Miami Bend. Just looking through the article, making sure I haven't missed anything. I do like their enthusiastic look on... No, this isn't going to affect traffic. Well... <laughs> okay, Roberts isn't directly on top of Dixie, but it's pretty darn close. We're not talking a big parking lot here. We're talking, you know, a few rows. So, we'll see. We'll see... Well, most of the concrete from the buildings is going to be crumbled on site and left behind as a base for what's next. That mold, and probably asbestos, because remember, this is a building that's been standing for quite some time. I still don't think it's a long distance from Roberts and the plaza to the street. Saying there's not going to be much effect on the traffic on Dixie. We'll see. We'll see. But, look out for that. And hopefully soon, it will be something nice for the Dayton scene. Whether it be minor league hockey or not, we'll see. We could always use more ice rinks. We could always use more teams. High school teams, I mean. You know, West Carrollton, Miamisburg, you know, start up some hockey. That'd be great. You know, please. We'll see how it goes. But West Carrollton, things are happening. And that will do it for episode 68. Again, the pictures from South Ohio Urban Exploration. I'd have a good look. See what was at the old Roberts. Not not saying to go in there because that's against the law. Don't break the law. That's bad. Also, while I'm here, while I'm recording... You might have noticed on Anchor and a couple of the other platforms you can listen to this podcast that the, some of the episode names have been changed. Well, I decided that if I'm having an interview with people to put the person's name on there and not make stupid puns. In fact, this episode, before I actually upload it, it shouldn't have a stupid name. I'm trying to cut down on that. So, episode, what is it, 46, 47? It's now called Michael Hearn Interview 60... What was Tom Nichols? 63? Tom Nichols Interview. John B-Man Bolio Interview. You get my point. The interviews I've done outside the roundtables are now just this person's interview. So, there you go. Life-changing, I know, but what can you do? Also, if you're looking for a public address announcer or a play-by-play broadcaster, hire the Lee W. Mowen. The Lee W. Mowen has experience in 
play-by-play broadcasting, public address announcing, podcasting, writing, and so much more. If you're looking for someone to bring the voice to basketball, hockey, and any other sports, hire the Lee W. Mowen. You can find him on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen. By him, I mean me, because I'm not talking third person anymore. I don't have college basketball this year, and also swimming's out, so, yay. Seeing if anyone would want to take a chance on me, PA. So there you go. Episode 69 is next week. That will close off episode 68 quite nicely. More construction puns. To close out episode 68 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. This has been another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the local Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. Closing theme by James Anderson from FreePD.com. Follow the podcaster on Twitter at the Lee W. Mowen, spelled T-H-E-L-E-W-M-O-W-E-N, and the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. For every link and platform available to listen to the local Sunday Sports Podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. Would you like a question about sports answered on the podcast? Send a message on Twitter at either account or visit theleewmowen.com and click Contact Me and your question might be answered in a future episode. Thank you for listening and your support of this podcast.